It's time again for the TCU Food Bank's Taking Care of You podcast. I'm your host, Spud McConnell, and we're going to talk about how you can help feed the hungry and the homeless down in South Louisiana. So let's chew the fat, huh? Now make la vie, as the Cajuns say on the TCU Food Bank's Taking Care of You podcast. Okay, I'm talking to uh, Hester Serrano, and I'm going to be real polite because she's got a gun. <laughs> Great big gun too, and you got extra clips and everything. Which Hester, first off, welcome. Hi, how are you? Good Hi, to see you. no, thank you, thank oh, you yeah, very much. Thank you very much because I have a gun, so don't don't look at me crossly. Um, you are a parole officer. Yes, that's the way. Is that the? Way? See, I went to high school with this guy named Ron Gibson, and you know, after high school, I lost track of him. I went to the theater and all kinds of such, and you know, I said, you know, what what old Ron's up to? Because he was like a year behind me. So I don't, he's not at my high school reunions, which I almost never go to anyway. And I found out he was a, a, a parole officer. I'm going, man, I would never picture Ron because everybody's opinion of a parole officer is like some linebacker dude that's got to, you know, tackle <laughs> a guy because he's, he's jumped his bail or some kind of stuff like that. Well, I'm but pretty Ron, sure I broke that. Well, you, you know, broke Well, Ron did too because Ron, Ron was just... The easiest going guy who could just talk to you, you know, I mean, very disarming fella. And uh, after meeting and talking with you, I'm going, well, I, I could see Ron as a parole officer now because he's not, he's, I guess he's the kind of guy, which is what you are, trying to keep people on the straight and narrow and you get more flies with honey than with vinegar. Absolutely. No, absolutely. So we do parole and felony probation, and that's one of the best personalities to have to do what we do simply because um those are the people they're going to look for ways to help people and really talk to them and find out their needs so that makes perfect sense when it comes hey. to someone working in this field i mean what's so what do you got to take a personality test to get this gig i mean do they sit you down and go uh i'm gonna throw a bunch of cuss words at you and see how you respond to it oh uh, no not necessarily well i'll throw a bunch of cuss <laughs> but... words i mean this is a podcast you can say what you want you know actually not this podcast but that's okay well, what did they, I mean, first off, how did, how, where did you wake up one morning and go, you know what, I want to be a parole officer. When does that happen? Oh, well, what had happened was, no. So, uh, so I went to school for psychology. I wanted, I knew from an early age, I wanted to work with people. I wanted to help people. I loved people. But somewhere along that path, I realized that maybe I didn't want to be a psychologist. I heard that. <laughs> okay. I took psychology in college too. One semester of it, I went, oh, these people are nuts. Oh, I like it. nothing to do with that. I liked it so much I did it for four years, you know. But um, somewhere around one of my last semesters, I took a criminology course where we studied uh, parole officers and what they do. And I decided in that class, this is, this is my calling. This is where I'm going. These are the people that need help. Mm -hmm. And this is what I want to do. So that would have been around 2002, summer of 2002. One of my last semesters. So I started reaching out in this area to see how, you know, who, what agencies do this? Um, how can I get into it? And here I am today. So, I mean, you still carry a gun. Let's start off the bat. So first off, are you post-certified or yes. you have to go through the same police training and everything else? Absolutely. Absolutely. We actually host our own uh, post-training academies. Mm -hmm. um, with COVID, things were, I mean... We're a little different, you know. Uh, Everything's different under that. Everyone in person. Don't 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 get me down that path. I don't want to go there. Thank no, you. absolutely, absolutely. So a lot of our agents um, have done some of the local academies. Mm -hmm. um, we had one that just finished Terrebonne's Academy here locally. 
And um, soon we hope to start our own training academies again as things start to open back up. Yeah. But we are. We're all post-certified. Um, well, and, and for the people who don't know what that is, let's explain it when you say you're post-certified it means of course you got training and weapons and other kinds of things like that so but it's, i mean it's like, i volunteered to be a drunk but you don't do dwi stuff do you no so with super with parole supervision probation supervision it's post-sentencing it's mm-hmm. once they're released from jail or from incarceration or once they're sentenced to felony probation. So every our jurisdiction Boy, is different. Wait, what's the difference between parole and felony probation? Absolutely. So felony probation is when the judge says, we're going to suspend that sentence and put you on probation for three years. And if you complete your probation, then you never actually do prison time. Okay. But parole is when you're sentenced to DOC time and you actually go to prison, whether it's a local jail that houses DOC inmates or an actual DOC facility. Like Angola like Angola, Elaine Hunt, places like that. Mm-hmm. And those guys, once they're released on parole, we supervise them for the parole board or for uh, the state versus felony probation, which we supervise for the court and hope that those guys walk that straight and narrow that we talked about. But it's basically the same thing. They're just two different categories. Correct, correct. So probationers, with those, we uh, report back to the court system. Parolees, we report back to the parole board. And you're given both of them. Yes. You have files. You know, obviously, you got a briefcase over there. Well, you know, I mean, I'm glad I ain't got to carry that around every day. I'm going to tell you my job's a little different now. Um, I did spend 17 years in the field as a field agent. But, um, yes, a field agent's job is to do both felony yeah. parole, uh, parole and probation. I actually work uh, doing reentry program management now. So everything in that little bag that you're referring to is helps me monitor programs, um, build programs it has everything that i need every day but what's the difference i mean you're running a program but the bottom line is you're helping either probationers or parolees walk the straight and narrow path so what is i mean i'm assuming now that you're just a little farther up the food chain but it's still basically the same thing or what it is it is as a as a supervising agent so as a field agent I get to work with um, about 100 people right now. We're, our caseloads are down to, say, about average, I think they said, of 90 to 100 people. Mm-hmm. So I get to impact 90 to 100 people. Doing what I do now, I get to impact the lives of 3,000 people because I am helping monitor programs for the Department of Corrections that either they have funded or, and, and um, in our area with the reinvestment the Justice Reinvestment Initiative, or I can help create programs that are needed with our local facilities and with the uh, probation and parole office here to help many more people than I could as just when I was a field agent. So I, doing what I do now, I touch many more lives than what I could as a supervising agent. Okay, I got you. Now, but when you create programs, mm-hmm. like for instance, what we're talking to you about is there are people who are on parole who we're tr- we help desperate and destitute people ourselves, but we don't we don't know whether or not they've ever been to prison. That's not what we ask. We just ask what is your financial status, and you know how many people are in the household. And if you can demonstrate this, then yeah, we'll give it to you. And uh, when listening to you speak at the chamber, that's what struck Lawrence and I about you know there's got to be people out there who are coming out of prison who now I mean. If you're hungry, it makes you think of a bunch of different things. And if, if, if you can 
help you walk down a straight and narrow path because you don't have to worry about shoplifting dinner, then that's, I think, something we can do to help. So, but, but you're looking at myriad programs about that, and we're just one small piece of that. That, absolutely. No, absolutely. So with my job, I look at everything from, like you're saying, hey, needing food, needing food on the table, feeding your family, that's a barrier when people come out that they need help with a lot of times, mm -hmm. very often. You know, where am I going to get my next meal? But you also have to think people are coming out is with where am I going to sleep? How am I going to get from one place to another? How am I going to find a job when I don't necessarily have an ID to start that process? Mm -hmm. So I do a little bit with everything to make sure that things are in place so that when they are released, um, we start removing those barriers before they're ever released. On that note, I know, um, let's backtrack a little bit. I don't want to backtrack too much because I want to talk about that stuff we talked about before in, while they're in jail, but go ahead and, and lay the groundwork for okay. it. Okay, so in, in 2015, um, they started the, what they call the Justice Re Reinvestment Initiative Task Force to start looking at the needs of those um, that we incarcerate and are returning back into society. Because Louisiana was the number one incarcerated state in the nation. Which means we were the number one in the world. Absolutely, because yeah. we're the number one incarcerated country. So it pretty much made us number one in the world. And that's not something we want to be number one in. There's a lot of number ones we don't want to be. Yeah, right. But then we all know what number two is, though, don't we? So I don't know if we want to be that either. So um, in 2015, they started focusing on what can be done researching what can be done mm -hmm. and this task force worked for about two years i would say if, um, if i recall correctly about two years and then in 2017 the legislature passed um 10 criminal justice reform bills that completely changed uh our criminal justice our, our reform mm -hmm. and just to give you an idea i mean that included and i made a couple notes just to make sure i don't skip any of any of this but it included nobody like, will know if you skipped any because we don't know it. <laughs> I, will, I would later and I'd feel bad. Okay, well, we don't want you to feel bad. Believe me, you can skip all of them and I wouldn't know the difference. But with those changes came sentencing changes. It, there was incarceration release mechanisms put into place where people had the opportunity to possibly get out of jail earlier, unless they were a violent offender or a sex offender. But those non-violent offenders, non-sex offenders, mm -hmm. um, they, there were mechanisms put in place that allowed them to be released a little earlier. Um, and as well as on the community supervision side, so with my office on probation and parole, they, we had some policy changes put in place that would encourage them to do well on supervision and possibly get off supervision earlier. So we're, we're learning that positive reinforcement goes a lot further than say, well, we're just going to put you back in jail. Honey and vinegar. Well, these guys coming out of jail, do you think they're scared to go back? No. No. Nay, well, especially... They don't want to go back. No, everybody would rather their freedom than be incarcerated, but if they know the rules and be like, me being a newbie walking in there, you know, I mean, I saw Shawshank Redemption, I'm waiting for them to yell at me as I'm walking with my sheets, you know? No, uh, I, I, but, but if we could give them the positive ways that they could possibly finish that supervision early. If we just, we changed the dialogue. Mm-hmm. You know, started thinking of things differently. And a lot of that came out in these uh, policy law changes with the Justice Reinvestment Initiative in 2017. With that being said, um, a lot of those guys getting out earlier, it also saved the state a lot of money 
Well, that's what a lot of people, I mean, we got to take a break, but that's, that was one of the arguments when you hear about people talk politics, all those Republicans out there, but look, yeah, they're, they're all in favor of incarcerating people, but it costs a lot of money to do that. And the more people out on the street earning a buck paying taxes, you know, no, absolutely. It's a, it's a much better thing, and that's where you come in. All right, stepping away, Hester Serrano is my guest. Uh, she is, what's your official title? So my official title is Reentry Program Manager for the Division of Probation and Parole. Well, that's a long title. That's too <laughs> long for a business card. We'll be back with more on this podcast, talking about my ask right after this. Uh-oh, that doesn't sound too good. You better start filling sandbags. Oh, wait, you don't have to do that anymore because you have the home team advantage. You called Home Team Elevation at 504-301-1222, and you got your home lifted above the flood. No more worries for you. What about your mama's house or your uncles or your brothers? Home Team is ready to lift their spirits even higher than your home. Get the Home Team advantage by calling 504-301-1222 or go to hometeamelevation.com. Do you know what it means to miss New Orleans? The next time you have to travel, take along a couple of pounds of Parish coffee, and you won't be missing New Orleans for long. Brewed right here in the land of coffee lovers, Parish coffee has the taste you're looking for. From dark roast to coffee and chicory to flavored coffees like Bananas Foster or Bourbon Pecan, French Vanilla or King Cake, or you name it, Parish coffee has a flavor just right for you. Look for the bright purple bag in the coffee aisle of your favorite market. Or order it online, have it sent right to your door. What a perfect gift for any coffee aficionado. Sip the soul of New Orleans in every cup of Parish Coffee. And we're back talking to Hester Serrano. Is Hester a family name? Or are you Hester Prim? Uh, yes, you just nailed that yeah, one. Yeah, I figured it was. Yes, much, my know. mother really liked the Scarlet Letter. I ain't going to touch that one. No, I mean, that's <laughs> where we're going to leave it. <laughs> well, her scarlet letter was a W. How about that? We'll leave it alone. All right. Uh, so, Hester Serrano, who is the uh, program uh, reentry person for for this, for what, Terrebonne, Lafouche? How big is your area you got to deal with? So, I cover Terrebonne, Lafouche, and St. Charles Parish. I'm actually assigned to do work for the Thibodeau District Office. Okay. And that office covers Terrebonne, Lafouche, and St. Charles Parishes. Yeah. Okay. So, well, I I know I know Greg Champagne, he and I are fraternity brothers. Craig Weber went to college at the same time, but I didn't know him. And I've just met Tim Sonia and interviewed him, and that was a interesting thing. And he is like hot to trot for the stuff that you Absolutely. guys are trying to boo. Absolutely. Yes, both sheriffs, one hundred percent proponents of reentry. It's so refreshing to see that, especially from my you know my chair. Because you don't have to convince anyone. I have no, no, I don't have to convince anybody. It's but is that like like half the job is just getting them to agree to even sit down at the table with you? Um, eighty percent of the job. It's really an easy job if if, if they'll come to the if table. they're a proponent. Yeah, correct. Okay. Whereas in the past we have had issues with those that to get on board with reentry and it makes the job very hard, but not anymore. Okay. This area. Um, Terrebonne Lafouche Parish, the sheriffs are both 100% on board with reentry. Lafouche Sheriff's always been 100% on board with reentry, but it is very refreshing to see Terrebonne moving forward. It's exciting. I mean, yeah, I'm smile. I'm all smiles. She's all happy here. over here. I'm going, exciting is like, uh, I'm getting a Christmas bonus, but it's like a Christmas bonus for you because it's you, you're dealing in human lives here. Absolutely. You know, and I mean, you, because all the rest of us out here, I guess, not all of us, but I remember, okay, I remember there was a trial on the North Shore where the guy was going to, was getting sentenced to life in prison for his third time having marijuana or something like that. I'm going, come on, man. 
You're going to go to jail because the guy had a pound of marijuana. You know, make him, make him pick up trash on the side of the road every day for a year or something like that. At least, well, because I'll be benefiting from that more than feeding him three hots and a cock because he sold a couple of fatties. So, right. anyway. Well, and that's part of what we looked at. We, we kind of touched before the break about um, how we were the number one incarcerated state. Mm -hmm. But we were incarcerating people like what you were just speaking about that weren't necessarily dangerous to society, like your violent offenders. So one thing, um, when I was in a meeting with Secretary LeBlanc not too long ago, just a couple weeks ago, which is the Secretary of the Department of Corrections. Yes, I was about to say that myself. I'm sorry, yes. No, 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 but people don't know that yet. So. Yes. So, but he was bringing in some of those statistics for us because I'm boots on the ground. I'm one of those people that I, I don't necessarily do statistics. I make sure what comes down the line is working, and if it's not, how can we fix it and make it work to everybody's benefit? Mm -hmm. But he'll go, he came into the meeting and gave some statistics on, while we are still the number one incarcerated state, we are closer to the national average. And within the next few years, should be either at or below the national average, which is huge. Mm -hmm. More importantly, we are now incarcerating the right people. You know, those violent offender numbers are going up, while the nonviolent offenders and, numbers and, you know, are going down. See, I've had an argument about that. Since I was a teenager and started to understand all this stuff, Jail bars are meant for, for, for people that I would, you know, have to keep looking over my shoulder. You know, I mean, a shoplifter, I hate thieves. I hate them. But putting somebody in jail because they stole a Snicker bar. But let's is, get to the root of the problem of why they stole a Snicker bar. Which is one of the reasons we're involved. In exactly. Yeah, if you want a Snicker bar, come and ask me for a Snicker bar. And TCU Food Bank will give you a Snicker bar. Boom. So, Just like that. Yeah, right. It That's it. If we can get those barriers or, or help those people in ways that they need it, they might not be trying to, you know, break into your car looking for money. Yes. Those problems we can fix, but we do need community involvement to do so. You know, whether it's this program with the food bank or working with someone in transitional housing that's willing to work with this population. Mm -hmm. So it's where the community partners all come in to make the community as a whole successful. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. By the way, right now we don't have Snicker bars, but we do have Oreos. So, <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't give you a Snicker I bar. will send people for Oreos. Oh, man. Yeah, but we, we do have some Oreos and some Nutter Butters. Uh, how has Ida messed up your well-laid plans of mice and men? Okay. So, with Ida, um, like we discussed about, well, we discussed a little while ago, I cover several parishes. Mm -hmm. uh, Lafouche... I'm going to say the re-entry infrastructure, while Lower Lafouche took a pretty hard hit with Ida, the re-entry infrastructure is still rolling along, per I say perfectly because I just love the direction that it's going. Um, however, Terrebonne, as you probably already know, because I know you have interviewed Sheriff Swanier, mm -hmm. their jail took a lot of damage. Our inmates are all over in Terrebonne are all over the state. So those programs that we were starting to build in Terrebonne Parish, whether it's the adult education program or trying to get them set up with Medicaid enrollments before they're, you know, Medicaid enrollment before they're released, mm -hmm. or even looking into how can we start getting those IDs in Terrebonne, all of that's put on hold because our inmates aren't local. The staff that needs to work with them to do these things are not local. So it does set back some of those efforts. Now his uh, transitional work release program is still up and running. They're running it out of a different, a local, you know, closer prison. Mm -hmm. 
So they're still able to do that program, which is also a, a, one of those reentry programs that he wanted yeah, to well, get up you and come out with a job. Absolutely. And you also come out with, you know, trust. Well, more trust than you had going in. Absolutely, because someone in that community hired you. Yeah. They chose to be a second chance employer and hire you. You know, that goes a long way. And um, both both parishes, Lafouche and Terrebonne, have um, very, they have exceptional work release programs. Now, what about the people who want to become involved in in hiring work release and possibly hiring, too? I know another one of your programs is hiring people who have come out, like, uh, what is it called? Erase the box or something? Oh, the... the the don't check or right yeah Absolutely. there's a box for those you don't know if you you never hired anybody when you fill out an application there's a little box that you got to check that says whether or not you you've ever been convicted of a felony and what you're what has been advocated is that you push that box checking until past the interview so if you can interview someone and be impressed with them and find out afterwards that they have a felony conviction you know but they've gone through all this stuff then maybe you have a better chance of them getting a job in which case the recidivism rate would drop considerably. Correct, because they're not labeled by their conviction at that point. Yes. You know, you've been able to talk to this person. Most of them will come out in the interview and tell you before you even ask. Mm -hmm. And it gives them the opportunity to explain that low point in their life. We've all made mistakes in our life, in yeah. our lives. We've all made mistakes. And just those guys got caught at it. Right. Or <laughs> A they... lot of people have made mistakes and just didn't get caught and went, oh, thank God I ain't got to check the box. But the fact of the matter is it's only because... Somebody wasn't looking at the right time. Oh, exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. So a lot of these guys will come out and tell an employer when at the interview, look, just so you know, I am a convicted felon and this is what I was convicted of. Because I don't want it to come back later yeah. that it appears like I withheld the truth. You know? Yeah. And, but just giving the opportunity, giving them the opportunity to get to the interview is so important. Because so many places, when you check that box, they won't even call them for an interview. Well, you're missing out on someone who can be a, an excellent employee. Yeah. You know, they want to support their families. They want to support themselves. They want a snicker bar. They want a snicker bar. Exactly. No, 100%. They want more than a snicker bar. There they are need people it. out there, though. Are you also working in programs that are encouraging people to become? And I know there's a guy out there who was a felon who has started a company. And I don't want to say exclusively hires felons, but he, uh, he what, 90% of his workforce is... Uh, there are several employers out there like that. Mm -hmm. um, there's one that does bread. They sell it in the, in, in Rouse's. I can't. I'm trying to remember the name of it. But he he prison bread. No, that ain't no, it. no, no. It's it. I bought it. I love it. Um, but he does. Is that it, the brioche bread? Uh, he's got a lot of different Man, breads. I don't know who makes that stuff, but it's good. But no, we have several uh, second. We uh, I say several. We have many, many, many actual second chance employers here mm -hmm. because there are benefits to hire for the employer. To hiring that particular population, whether it's uh, tax uh, credits mm -hmm. or um, on-the-job training type. Uh, well, that's true involved. too. I mean, if while they're still, and I'm almost out of time again, but while they're still incarcerated, I don't know about in prison or the nomenclatures are constantly changing. But while they're still incarcerated, they are learning a trade so that when they walk out. Because like John Kennedy told me when he was state treasurer, he would say, I volunteered to, to student teach or to teach a class, substitute teaching, and not just sit in the classroom like other do. I show up and I teach at least one day a year. And he goes, you would be astounded at the amount of uh, your how your attitudes change sitting in a classroom and actually controlling it instead of just watching. 
And he also made a big point about how recidivism rate drops considerably uh, if the people who come out have a GED if they didn't have one going in. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's an education thing. Uh, so, you, so now primarily your job is to educate the people outside and educate the people who are about to come outside. Correct. That is a part of my job. Well, that's a, that's, yeah. that's a good point. Well, unfortunately, we have to do another one because we're out of time. How can people find you to, A, find out more about this because, they want, they, A, they want to know, B, they might have somebody inside that may not know about this, and also you got employers out there who are looking for a good workforce? No, absolutely. So I can be reached by email, um, hester.serrano at la.gov. And that's H-E-S-T-E-R. By Gastaprim. <laughs> yes, dot S-E-R-R-A-N-O. You can't just put in like at Scarlet Letter. <laughs> can't do that. No. Okay. <laughs> but we also have um, a community coordinator here local that I work hand in hand with. Her name is Sherry Wilmore. And she is con our uh, DOC's contracted community coordinator. She works for Goodwill. Okay. And it's swilmore at goodwillno.org. So she can be reached as well when it comes to employers, um, because we have so many opportunities for employers, not just locally with the transitional work programs, but also DOC has what they call the workforce portal mm -hmm. that they're uh, building and it is getting bigger and bigger. And I wish we had a whole segment just to talk on that. Well, we'll have you back because it's a fascinating conversation. And besides you have a gun, so I'm afraid to tell you no. <laughs> Thanks for coming. It. Thanks for coming, Hester. Yeah, All right, wrapping up uh, another episode of TCU podcast right after this. Are you ready to launch? The American Space Alliance wants to accelerate and support space exploration for the benefit of all Americans, and not just for national pride. You know how many products are created by and for NASA that we use every day? Scratch-resistant lenses, dustbusters, LASIK eye surgery, solar cells, firefighting equipment, LEDs, insulin pumps, the list just keeps on growing, and it needs to keep on growing, because the next generation of space exploration has arrived and the American Space Alliance and NASA want you to be involved. You can follow ASA on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Go to exploreasa.org to find out more.